Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Synergy Cast. I am your host, Sonia Joffer, and on this week's episode, I am so thrilled to introduce you all to Daddy Ramazani. Yes, that's his real name. Daddy is his birth name. Um, He is a director, musician, filmmaker, and a comedian. And he joins me today for a conversation where we discuss his personal journey navigating being a creative in these times. He also shares his perspectives on how he uses humor to cope, how intergenerational trauma has shaped his experiences, and how he personally stays mentally and inspirationally aligned. I want to put a content warning out there that we do discuss intergenerational trauma, police violence and murder, as well as racism and racial microaggressions in this week's episode, and that can be pretty tough and heavy to listen to. So utilize that self-care if you need it and take breaks as well. Please check out Daddy and follow him on social media. I got all of his links and Instagram and Twitter all in the episode notes. His Instagram and Twitter are both at Director Daddy. His Twitter has an extra Y at the end. Um, so that's Daddy with two Ys. And I also put his link tree in the episode notes. And that's where you can find the links to his podcast, his website, as well as his music. So please go show him some love and check him out. I also put the link to the purple emoji by J. Cole and Ty Dolla Sign music video that Daddy and his girlfriend are featured in and both look amazing in, so please go watch that and check that out. Um, as well as I put some resources. If you want to learn more about generational trauma, I put a website and a few books in the notes as well that I personally have found helpful. So yeah, that's it for the episode notes, and I hope you all enjoy listening to the episode. So today we have a very special guest here on the podcast, Daddy, and yes, that's his real name. Um, I also had that question too when we first met, so our listeners are are listening, I'm like, is that his real name? (laughs) Like, what did she just call him? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so thank you so much for being here. I know you are like a director, a musician, a filmmaker. Mm -hmm a comedian. I personally found you on TikTok first, um, but I know you do a lot more than that too. So I'm just so excited for you to be here. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, dude. I'm I'm excited to to be on this show and just, you know, finally make this happen. (laughs) It's been a long time coming and I've been excited. So I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, And I know I just gave like a very brief introduction, Mm -hmm. but what else do you want to share about yourself to the listeners before we get started? I have a a podcast called Caucasian Tears, where I interview creatives, uh, a lot of comedians, musicians, you know, creatives of all different backgrounds about times in history where minorities reach some kind of success and uh, white people were upset. So <laughs> it's just funny conversations and hopefully insightful as well. But yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, I love your podcast, by the way. So everyone go check that out. I'll put a link Thanks. in the episode notes to that as well. But it's just like, I just love how like raw and real like your conversations are on that podcast. Mm-hmm. And like, you pretty much talk about everything i think it's just like yeah. what y'all are feeling um but also hitting on some important topics as mm-hmm. well especially like with this day and age with everything going on in the world so 
um, I appreciate how you approach your podcast as well with that. Thanks, man. Thanks. I, I just try to, I don't know, it's, it's, it's definitely, yeah, like basically what you said, like it's just whatever I'm feeling. Like I haven't, I didn't do an episode, I think last week and the week before, I think I didn't put out an episode just because it's been crazy and busy. But I wanted to do something for Thanksgiving and Black um, Friday and Cyber Monday. That didn't happen. But then I watched um, I watched this movie called Cuties, which is on Netflix, and got like a lot of controversy around it. Um, and I remember I posted it on my Instagram story and was like, "Watch Cuties." And I also posted like a bunch of other movies that were by like you know black directors and stuff, and. I got so many angry messages in my DMs about like, how could you promote this movie? Because, and I totally understand why people were saying that. It's a whole other thing to get into. But basically that was on my mind for like the last few days. And then I was like, this is the next podcast episode. So it's, yeah, it's definitely just like, whether something's happening in, you know, the larger conversation in society or, if I'm just thinking about something, I'm like, who can I talk to about this? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a form of expression, and like you get to use your voice for like, like you said, whatever in the moment you just want to talk mm. about something. Also, um, I'm really interested to hear like, cause you are a creative, like you do so many mm -hmm. things like we mentioned before. So what got you interested in like being an artist, being a creative? Mm -hmm. um, I know, like we mentioned, you do comedy, filmmaking, and yeah. music. What, what got you interested in all that? I was, I feel like I always, maybe people who've heard me speak get annoyed, but for those who have not heard me uh, say this story, uh, I was like shy, quiet, didn't know what I wanted to do for like up until I was probably like 17, um, 17 or 18 and like applying to colleges. Um, I didn't even know what I was going to study. I was like, I'm just going to go to, like, I was smart in school. So I was always like, I'm going to go to Harvard or like Columbia and I'm going to study business. What, what am I going to do with business? I don't know. <laughs> and so, um, and then like, uh, I think it was like end of junior year or like beginning of senior year where I uh, started to get into stand up comedy and just from watching stand up, like I, I started to be interested and I was like, oh, maybe this is something I could do. And I think it was around the time like Aziz Ansari was like blowing up. And I was like, whoa, a skinny brown guy, like with a weird voice who's like, you know, getting attention and being funny. And, I, and that inspired me. And then, um, and then from there, I, you know, I had a friend, like my brother's friend saw that I was always watching movies and they made music. And he was like, oh, why don't you like make your own movies? And I was like, you can do that. And like, I mean, you know, I know I knew you could, but I didn't ever think of like, oh, it's something that I can just start doing. And so from there, I started making like music videos for my brother and like his friends. And I just became like the music video guy at my school. And, uh, and also like I met Tyler, the creator, like, on the street and we talked for like 30 minutes about like just art. like he just gave me and my brother like life advice about art and creativity and and seeing him at that time was inspiring because 
it was probably the first time where I'd seen someone who was close in age just making a living off of like what they do and love and like but also being very real and honest and uh and I was just like wow it's possible and so from there I just I guess I started breaking out of my shell and I started being loud and and I guess I was like making up for all the years of silence so yeah and I don't know I just basically from stand-up went to film then and my dad did not want me to do anything creative like all my life my dad was like because my brother always did music so my dad was like one person's gonna be like the creative the other one has to do like the serious route so you know there's a backup you know and uh and I rebelled and yeah and from there once I started doing one thing I think I was just like oh I can, you know, I just try every, anything that I like, you know, if I, if I wanted to try out photography, I would do it. If I wanted to try acting, I would do it. Cause I just looked at everything as like, this is a form of expressing myself and I have not expressed myself for a long time. <laughs> so I got to find out what do I want to do? Like, how do I enjoy expressing myself? But yeah, if that, I think that's, a big circle of an answer but yeah. you can you can ask for more if I didn't <laughs> yeah thank you for sharing that about yourself and like it shocks me when you say that you used to be a quiet person because yeah. like based off of following you on social media <laughs> and all of that like and just getting yeah. to know you too like off of social media mm -hmm. I could I would never have guessed that you used to be like a shy quiet person but like that makes sense like you're like I'm making up for that lost time now yeah and so I could definitely see that <laughs> yeah it's weird it's yeah people people think I'm lying sometimes I'm like <laughs> I have the home videos to prove it <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. and you've done some pretty cool things like I know that you worked for GQ and like you also were in uh J. Cole's music video too right yeah yeah me and my girlfriend um it's funny because I remember the the day we were shooting that video because um, it was all about like intimacy and everything and uh, and they casted like real couples and one of my friends was like the DP of the video and so he was telling me and uh, I don't know how much into detail okay one of my friends did the casting and she didn't tell us like who the video was for she was just like I'm casting for a big video you guys want to you know submit so we submitted then uh, a few weeks later one of my other friends was shooting the video and he didn't like they all didn't know they were involved and so the guy is like he texts me one day and he's like yo he, like he showed me he was looking at a photo of me and my girlfriend and like a bunch of other people and he was like I think you're gonna be in this J. Cole and Ty Dollar Sign music video that I'm shooting. And I was like, oh, that's what it's for. And my girlfriend loves those two. And it was like the day, it was like on her birthday that they were shooting it as well. So it was kind of like a big surprise. But my friend texted me and was like, um, the director asked if you are down to propose to your girlfriend on camera in the video. And I was like, uh we're not there yet <laughs> i'm not getting married now but yeah <laughs> that was just a funny little she was serious too but yeah it was that was a fun fun uh opportunity but yeah i mean that's just another thing like you know even just the gq or that thing where 
like how I said, I, you know, once I got into being a creative person, I just started saying yes to anything that came up. Like if someone asked like, hey, do you want to like, can, can I shoot some photos of you? And say, yes. Can you, do you want to act in this thing? Yes. Do you want to like, and that's when people always ask me like, how do you, how do you get like, how did you start getting jobs and like doing this? And I was like, I literally just said yes to anything that, not just anything, you know, I'm not gonna, someone asked me to do porn, I'm not doing that. But like, you know, like if someone asks me to be involved in something interesting, I'm like, sure, why not? I have nothing to lose, you know, whether it's paid or not. And that's also how I guess I just found the stuff that I was into. So yeah, people just gotta say yes to, <laughs> to things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's cool to hear like the story behind the music video too because mm -hmm. like and that song for listeners was purple mm -hmm. emoji um by j cole and ty dollar sign and i'll put a link to that in the episode notes too but i personally like i love r&b music and mm -hmm. i love ty dollar sign and j cole so i was like mm -hmm. that song was one of my favorites when it came yeah, out yeah, yeah. i don't think i knew you before like when mm -hmm. that video came out but i was just watching it like recently um because at work i just keep like youtube videos playing yeah and i noticed like i was like wait a second like <laughs> i know this guy <laughs> um, and then yeah so that was really cool like you both look so good in that music video thanks, um, thanks. that video was beautiful in general just like that representation mm -hmm. of um you know people of color and yeah uh, poc and like different types of couples too like not just your stereotypical like yeah. sexual mm -hmm. uh white mm -hmm. couple you know there was like so many diverse um yeah they really tried to bring in everyone and which is i mean not hard but like you know when you want to represent everyone and you're just like ah I, like okay i need this and that and like a lot of times people would say like it's too hard but they really did their best and like got so many different kinds of couples ages you know sexual orientation everything so yeah that was dope yeah that's really cool and to be a part of that too was probably yeah yeah it, it was but then at the same time like my uh because I'm like a director as well like whenever I'm on set or like just involved um like even on that like I'm just like I want to be shooting this, like, you know, it's like, I love being in, 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 in it, but at the same time, I'm like, I wish I was making this, this is beautiful, but, but it was like, but yeah, I'm just happy that I could be a part of it. Exactly. And also, I know that, like, your music, you also make music, mm -hmm. um, which I find your songs to be, like, very funny um, mm -hmm. and entertaining, but also they're just, like, they've got, like, good beats, like, it, like, kind of yeah. reminds me of, like, it's like it's like not hip-hop really like how would you describe yeah. kind of like 80s thanks yeah i i um i remember like the first time i got like uh like i remember i, I uh, one of my songs was on the fader like the first time i got a premiere on there and uh and the writer asked me like wait like like literally right before like we had been talking about the you know the article for for weeks and stuff and so and so everything was set and then like the day before the article was going to go out she emails me and goes wait what genre is this I've never thought about that <laughs> and, and I was like 
Oh yeah, true. We did we did have that conversation. I was like, I don't know. You can put alternative hip hop, whatever. I don't know because I feel like with um, and that was from like an album that I just like took down recently, which was like my first album. Um, but I don't. I don't know. I, I whenever I whenever I put out my music now, like this, this like the songs now. Um, since like guess what, ho, I'm happy and stuff. I just labeled them as pop because I'm like, and it's not to say pop like Dua Lipa or whatever. Like, I'm like, for me, pop is, it's popular music. And, and I feel like I just try to combine, like, not even intentionally, I just uh, listen to, you know, I, I don't listen to just hip hop. I don't just listen to um, R&B or alternative. Like, I, I just, I listen, I'm open to everything. And so I, try to combine those but like the main elements of the songs are usually like i'll play guitar and it'll, it'll have like you know some alternative vibes but then there's synths from synth pop and then there's like hip-hop 808 drums and and bass it's just a blend so that's why i was just like it's pop <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but but it's interesting that you said 80s because i'm like I remember one time someone said, like, it was a song that I had put out, which isn't up either anymore. But they were like, it sounds like it could be in the movie Drive with Ryan Gosling, which is like one of my favorite movies. And it's a modern movie that the but the soundtrack and like the vibe of it is very 80s. And so I was like, that's that's all I ever wanted. So it's so whenever someone's like, it sounds like it's something from 80s. I'm like, yeah, it's uh, I do love the 80s. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now that like I know more about like your musical background mm -hmm. and, and that like it makes sense. Like I can definitely see all the different influences like in your mm -hmm. music. Um. And like like I was mentioning before, like your latest songs like Karen, Corona, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Guess what? Ho, I'm happy. Um. Those yeah. all are like very funny. Like that comedic mm -hmm. element is in there, but they also like shed light on some important social justice issues as well. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I want to hear more about like how you approach incorporating comedy while mm -hmm. shedding light on these important issues and why it's important for you to discuss these issues on your platform. Yeah, I, I feel like, uh, sorry if my answers are long sometimes because I, I always tell people I speak in circles. Uh, <laughs> like I, I'm like, okay, this is your question. I have to start here and I'm going to come all the way back and it's all going to connect. But uh when I first started making music, it was, it was like the, 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 the music that I've taken out, it's on my SoundCloud, but it's not like on any streaming platforms anymore. But those songs were so serious and great songs, but like just not a full representation of me. So for a long time, I, you know, it started like a little bit of humor would kind of come in here and there, but the songs were more so just like honest, which was dope. And then it's not until I made Guess What Home Happy that I was like, ooh, I like, you know, I, I, I feel like this, this is like all of me. Like it has like, it's, it's not necessarily about a great time in my life. It's, you know, it's a, it's a kind of about a sad time, but it's about finding the happiness in that period and shedding light on it, which is like, you know, 
what I do with comedy, which is like taking the dark and like using some lightness to like discuss it. So when I did that, and also at the time, I would say the music that I used to make was like songs that you could listen to by yourself in your room on a Friday night. And it was all kind of like more lo-fi and stuff. But then somewhere along the line, when I started making like the songs, I guess, what Home Happy and stuff, I think I was going more to like live shows and like just seeing how musicians like really entertained an audience and like had showmanship and everything. And like I went to like Mac DeMarco shows and like I saw Miguel and stuff. And then I was like, I want to make music that people want to play around other people <laughs> and, you know, and that people can share with each other. And I want it to be loud and powerful and energetic. And so that's where I think the, the ability to start like putting some joy and like comedy into the music started coming in. And I was also getting back into doing stand up comedy as well. So I think it was just natural for the humor to find its way into it. It was natural, but now the thing is where does the political edge of what i do come from i think that's really i don't even call it political because i'm like i'm just talking about life and you know the things that i've seen the things that i've experienced the things that people that i that that i can relate to have experienced and um i started doing that more so with comedy first and I remember my brother would always be like, why, why do you only talk about white people? Why do you always talk about race? Why do you? And I was like, I don't know. It's just what comes to mind. Like, I don't choose what makes me laugh. It's just, it's just what happens. My favorite kind of comedy is, you know, comedians that are talking about something real, not so much like, I don't know, just jokey jokes, you know, like it's, you know, which is fine. Like it has its purpose, but I'm like, tell me about life, you know, like break it down to the point where it's like, it's not even a joke anymore. And, uh, and so, so that came first. And, and I was also, and, you know, comedy is something that I really got into in college. And when I was in college, like undergrad was when we were starting to see like the beginnings of like the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, like all the all the protests and and and, and Trump became, became president. And it was a very political time. And so it's like, what else was I going to talk about, you know? And, and so that became my outlet to deal with that. Even my film started to become more about that, but they didn't really have humor. Now humor is humor is finding its way into everything that I do now. But um yeah, I, I don't know. It was just what I was going through, especially at like a very uh, important stage of life where you're developing. So I guess that's just how I found my voice. And then it became natural for me to just talk about life in whatever I made. I don't really try to think about it, especially with music. I just make a beat and then it's like, what do I feel like saying? I don't think about rhymes. I don't think about, I just grab, make a beat, grab the microphone, start humming melodies, and the words just come out. And it's like, okay, this is what I'm feeling and thinking. <laughs> and it happens to be funny. <laughs> yeah. It circles back to when we were talking about how, like, your art process 
-hmm. is like a reflection of who you are in the moment Mm -hmm. and like you are so diverse everyone's so diverse so like it's cool to see how your art is like a reflection of that it's like it's very diverse too it's not just like one mood it's like so many different types of emotions and moods and like what's going Mm -hmm. on in the world too and like how you're processing it and like also I can relate to this I don't know if you can but I always Mm -hmm. use humor to cope with tough Mm -hmm. things too so like Sometimes when like crazy tough shit happens, I can't help but to just laugh. Yeah. Like, that's just how I cope through it sometimes. And mm-hmm. like, I might look crazy to some people. Like, <laughs> why is laughing right now? Like that was something really serious. But like, that's how I cope through shit sometimes. Yeah. I just gotta laugh about it. So like, I don't know if you can relate to that too. No, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm not like, I always tell like, my girlfriend thinks I'm crazy because <laughs> I haven't cried since 2009. And and also the last time I cried was, it was just like my family and I had moved from our like one side of town in Georgia to a whole other side of the town. I was like, I'm never gonna see my friends and stuff. And so I'm like, okay, that's what that's the last time I cried. And I've had way more serious things happen since then. Like you know, people pass away and whatever. But um, whenever something I don't know, weird or bad happens in life or around me. Like the first thing I like, I'm very quick to make jokes about it. I'm not like, I'm, I don't sit and dwell on it for so long. I'm just like, I'm just like, this is funny. And, and it's not even, it's not even that it's funny. It's just like, because it's like, how I even say like my jokes about whether it's about race or what's going on in the world. Sometimes I'll say something on stage and it's not even a joke. I'm just saying the, the full truth and people will laugh and my girlfriend's always like it's weird that some of your jokes are just like it's just like an honest statement and I'm like yeah sometimes it's so weird or it's just like crazy that something can be happening and you're just like I don't understand I don't know how to feel right now all I can do is laugh and hopefully after the laughter I will begin to process it because it's like there's certain jokes that I'll say on stage and like people laugh. And then after they laugh, I can see on their faces like they're like, oh, shit. Or it's the other way around where like I'll say something and people are just like, what? And then they and then they think about it and then they laugh. And it's like humor can be sometimes you need that in between the, you know, diving into the, the dark shit, you know it can open the door to to dealing with what you're actually what you need to deal with exactly yeah it's like a buffer sometimes yeah Yeah. it's it's necessary i had one friend uh on my podcast that was like i think when i first like there was a week on instagram where i was just going like really viral which was weird for me and and i had like a lot of like angry white people in my comments and so the dude on my podcast was like he was like my advice to people who are mad in your comments is y'all should be happy that these are jokes because this doesn't have to be funny like we could really just talk about the straight up truth and it can be so it'll that's just going to be even more heartbreaking and just sad and like and you'll really be angry to hear it but it's like we're making it easier for you by just talking making jokes out of it so yeah jokes jokes can be helpful like you said it's a buffer exactly and I like how you mentioned like what your friend said in your podcast Mm -hmm. episode I think that's like so important because as people of color 
as BIPOC, we are always mm -hmm. thinking of how can I make white people around me feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I know mm -hmm. I grew up in a very white dominated suburb before I moved to the city of Chicago. So mm -hmm. like I always grew up whitewashing myself too, because I didn't want to make people, white people around me feel uncomfortable if I like spoke my language or if I like wore a traditional outfit. So, uh, so like it's like or if I smelled like Indian food or something because mm -hmm. my mom was making it, you know, so mm -hmm. it's like we always have to worry about that. And like and it's because yeah. like you're right, like white people really don't have to give a shit about any of that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, why, why, why do they get away with like not having to care? Why is it? I remember like uh, I went to a comedy show, I think the night that they announced the the uh, verdict of like George Zimmerman uh, in like the Trayvon Martin case really weird thing to do right after that's announced but it was like there was this comedy club in uh new york where every monday they would have a free show and it was like they never announced the lineup but you always knew like there's going to be some like famous comedians um or like some you know really dope up and coming ones and one dude came out it was michael shea from uh snl probably one of my favorite comedians ever uh just like this unapologetic black dude and the first thing he starts talking about is the Trayvon Martin case and I'm like literally right after it's announced I'm just like I don't know anyone else that could handle this well and he's killing it and uh and one thing that he said like you know after that he was talking about like he said like thing that white people did was make the world think that white is like the standard it's the norm like you know he was like if you have like two friends in the friend two people in the friend group with the same name like chris you know like my friend was like he asked for a name and my friend said his name's chris and he was like so you you're used to being black chris you know the white chris is just chris you're black chris you know and uh and and, and it's stuff like that it's the little things even you know we're like they don't have to worry about like being different or outcasted. Like they can just be themselves and it's fine. It's normal. You know, white food, it doesn't matter if you come out smelling like pasta or Italian food or whatever. Like it's cool. You come out smelling like African food, Indian food. That's weird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so there's a lot of white people that listen to this podcast too. Mm -hmm. So what message would you want to send to listeners who are white and who are listening right now too? man you know it's funny my initial reaction is always to like just say a joke and like upset them but um <laughs> this is gonna sound very weird coming from me i sometimes like i kind of understand when white people say like the way they say it doesn't make sense sometimes but they'll say like it's harder to be white than anything else that like this year or whatever like you know it's so hard to be white and i'm like I get that it's hard because it's like, you know, everyone is like attacking you and like, you know, holding, holding you accountable. And it's like, but it's necessary. And you'll only feel bad if you're uninformed about what people are, you know, holding against you. It's not even holding against you. It's just like people are just addressing what's been going on for generations. And so your job is to, not ask them why are they you know because a lot of times people in my comments will be like what 
give me an example of like, you know, white privilege or racism, whatever. I'm like, no, <laughs> you doing that is an example right there. Right. What you have to do as a human being is get educated on, uh, read literature that's not written by, by your community. You know, it's like I always say, the definition of racism was not written by minorities, you know? So it's like, how can we really, how can you guys say who's being racist or not, you know? It was written by your people and while they were oppressing others. So in the end, all I can tell you is you have to, you got to put in the work and you have to be aware of what's going on, um, how you're, how you might be perpetuating, you know, white supremacy in your own individual surroundings. Because sometimes people are like, oh, I don't know what to do. Like, you know, how can I, it's, it's not my job to change the world. And it's like, no, you don't have to change the world, but you can address, you know, you can address what your family does. You can address what you do. You can, you can handle things in your own community and environment and that starts to change. So you just got to get educated. And, and, and it's a, it's a great time to do that. Cause there's a whole, everyone has a list of books and resources and stuff in their, in their Instagram bio. So it's free. It's easy because at the end of the day, we had to get educated on you, on, on like you guys' lives and societies and communities and everything. Yeah. So just get, get uncomfortable and learn something new. It's not that hard. You know, <laughs> we're speaking English right now. It's not our first language, you know? So yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, definitely. I like how you said like, this is the age of accountability and yes, you can see how like it might feel intense for white people right now because like it's really being pushed in this age. Mm. But also like I kind of connected going back to like what you were sharing earlier with, with how like you're making up for lost time right now, mm. um, like being more outspoken within your own personal mm. life. I related that to the age of accountability because white people have gone like held unaccountable for so long that I feel like we're making mm -hmm. up for that lost time right now. And it's just like, all right, like, here it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, people will say things like, well, I wasn't, <laughs> I hate when some people will say like, well, I'm not, a, I'm not in America. What does that have to do with me? And I'm like, it, this is not, it's not an American problem. Like racism uh, you know, inequality, whatever is it's it's a that's a global issue. Like you know, Africa is still being colonized till this day. Um, you know, it's it's a uh, you know resources are being taken everywhere. So in the end, it's like no, it's not it's not it's not just an American issue. Or people say like I didn't own slaves. And I'm like that still <laughs> like the effects are still around today. So, and it's not just slavery, that's the problem. So, you know, people have to understand that it's, it's, uh, it's yeah, you, you don't understand the little things that, because people always say, you know, minorities need to stop complaining. If they just work hard, they'll be just like all of us or whatever. And I'm like, okay, but at the end of the day, that's not what your people had to do. They didn't just work hard. They took from other people when other people were working hard, they destroyed their cities, they took their resources again, killed their leaders, and uh, and also y'all had support from the government. There's government funding that went into, you know, 
businesses in the white community, um, you know, helping create like neighborhoods and, and, and programs that, that impacted the white community. So it's weird when people are like, all you have to do is work hard. Cause at the end of the day, nobody just got successful or did well as an individual or as a community by themselves. You know, it's even if we have to remove the idea of race, like you or me, like, to 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 have any kind of success like for me you you're talking about my songs i can produce the songs i can record the songs i can write the songs i don't know how to mix a song my brother can mix the song then my brother can also add ideas onto the song that i don't have then to release the song it's not just me it's a distribution company and you know and everything like getting the song out there twitter instagram i don't run those platforms like i don't without those platforms i wouldn't have an audience so nobody can just pull your bootstraps up and you'll be fine it's like no at the end of the day everyone needs some kind of help so what's wrong with helping other people just decency (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i really like those points that you made because like humans are like social creatures too so it's like we can't get through life alone and so like i like how you mentioned like the community aspect Mm -hmm. behind it um and also i want to transition to talking about mental health a little bit um because you know as a up-and-coming therapist i always encourage Mm -hmm. people to talk about their mental health um Mm -hmm. so like i know that when you and i both spoke before Um, this recording, we shared a little bit about like multi-generational trauma Mm -hmm. and how like we both are still learning about that concept. So when you hear that term, what comes to mind for you? Man, I feel like I didn't know about that until like a few years ago when I was at like, uh, I was at Union Square in New York and maybe I'd heard about it before, but I don't know. A time where it really sticks out to me was I was at Union Square and uh or i guess just throughout college but this time i heard like a group of black people talking about like how they have like we there's trauma in our bones and stuff or just that we hold on to because that's been passed down and i was like what are y'all talking this sounds nuts this sounds like you know (laughs) this sounds like some spooky weird shit and um but then it's like, no, it makes sense. I mean, like, you know, it's like how they even say when when a baby is born, you know, whatever conditions the parent is in or like, you know, the, the mental state of the parent at that time can affect the baby. Like energy is very real. So it's like, yeah, there <laughs> there's definitely, you know, trauma passed down. I remember when I watched Us, the movie by Jordan Peele. Yeah there was a scene where there's a scene in the movie and it's not really a spoiler, but when they're, the family is like driving to the beach, you know, you got the parents in the front, the two kids in the back, black family, they're driving to the beach and they're just talking, they're having fun, they're smiling. And then out of nowhere, you hear a police siren and like the car stops and stuff. And I feel like, I remember like for me, when I saw, when, when I heard that, I was like, I got scared. I was like, oh shit, they're about to like get killed by the, not killed, but like, it's a horror movie. So you're just like, anything can happen. But I was like, and it's like broad daylight. But for me, when that siren happened, it's not like a huge jump or whatever. But for me, I was like, just nervous. Like, are they about to get pulled over by a cop? Is something about to go down and da, 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 da. 
and then like the camera zooms out and it's just like there's an ambulance like putting a a, a dead man a homeless man into like uh the truck but i remember like none of my white friends really had a reaction to that and i was and the movie's not even about race and i was just like it's funny because i feel like like i felt something when that moment happened a lot of other black people that i know also had a similar reaction or just like what can happen and so it's it's funny where there's like there's you know whether it's fears or you know certain anxieties that we all really feel and understand and connect with and we don't know how it got there you know it's like i haven't had any trouble with the police or whatever i haven't had um there was nothing has happened to me but from a young age there you, you just know like something's off you know and so it's like it's real <laughs> and i guess everyone has their own ways of dealing with it and addressing it i remember my girlfriend she i don't know if it's like it's like a form of it's like ancestral healing or something cuz she she writes for uh vogue in the beauty department like beauty and uh wellness and so that was something that she she found like this um practice where like they do this kind of healing it's weird to explain it cuz i'm like it feels like magical or something but it's like a very spiritual thing they i don't even know what they do but she was like when she did it like she did the process and she was like she saw her like grandparents and stuff and like she cried and like was very emotional and um but it was beautiful at the same time and 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 i guess people do this kind of thing where it's supposed to like kind of heal your your trauma from like pat from generations and stuff and just or, or even just understand it and so when i found out about that i was like oh like that sounds like a very like i was just out there uh process but i was like i didn't know there was things like this to for the everyday person to kind of deal with that you know generational trauma i didn't i just thought it was like you deal with it on a day-to-day basis and whether you think about it or not so that was interesting and so it opens up my mind to like what else is out there how many like what do other people do to get through it you know can you even get rid of it cuz it's been for so many generations exactly mm-hmm. nowadays i've seen a lot more like up and coming research studies by a lot of psychologists that are like mm-hmm. like looking into like multi-generational trauma and like the mm-hmm. biological science behind it too mm-hmm. and obviously like whatever impacts the the brain will impact the body and vice versa mm-hmm. so there's like actually studies out there that show that like trauma is stored in our bodies and that's why like you said like when you heard that siren in that movie you had a physiological reaction to mm-hmm. it like your heart sped up you know like you because like that trauma is stored in your body and even though like you may not have experienced that but like maybe an ancestor did or maybe like just a community member did too mm-hmm. so like that collective trauma can impact each other too just mm-hmm. by like witnessing someone else's trauma that can also cause us trauma too so mm-hmm. It's really fascinating and I'll put some books in the episode notes too for like listeners if mm-hmm. you want to look more into that too. But yeah, there was like something I was learning about in class that there was a study that showed that we have trauma stored in our bodies 
from 15 generations past us. So that's like 15 ancestors mm-hmm. before us. Their all their trauma is stored in our bodies, and yeah. like what has not been healed, that all falls on us to like yeah. break that cycle and heal it. I mean, and that brings into the, like basically what I was saying. You know, there's a lot of white people that'll say like, you know, how they didn't do what their ancestors did and whatever. It's not their fault. Like we shouldn't be mad at them. But then it's like, but now when you put it in this context where it's like, we have to deal with, you know, this trauma, we got to deal with, you know, basically everything that's happened in past generations, we have to deal with the the outcome, the the effects of that. And so it's like, part of healing is, you know, we got to do our healing, but at the same time, the other side has to acknowledge it because that... Because it's like in any situation, if you have like an abusive relationship or, or just like a toxic, any a toxic friendship or relationship, it's like when you have the, the person on the side that's causing the, the toxicity um, invalidates, you know, your sadness or your pain or your depression or whatever, that only deepens it because now it's like, okay, am I crazy? Like, is is it? You know, it might be you're just being gaslighted. So you know, it's uh, it's 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 the the cliche of the, every Hollywood movie that deals with race. But we all have to come together and and really uh, heal because it's not just for us to. It's not just for us because I think some of the trauma as well. A lot of the trauma that we have is. It also um, falls in. It comes from a place of like there's a lack of trust for the other, for the other side because of you know everything that's happened to my ancestors is like doesn't lead me to to have so much love or trust for the white community. I do, but at the same time, it's like when I gotta you know the, when I dig deep, it's like every everything that that that's happened in history. <laughs> How can we, you know, how how can we not acknowledge it? So, it's scary. It's uh, and it's very uncomfortable. I think it's it's and it's uncomfortable for both sides at the end of the day. But you have to deal with the discomfort. You have to. That's why I would say like Trump's presidency was necessary because we had to get uncomfortable um, in order to start having these conversations. So, yes. I don't know if I answered your question. Good. <laughs> good. Yeah. No, that was a really good point. I like how you like brought it back to. I like these like full circle. Open <laughs> circle. Circles. <laughs> <laughs> I try to stay on track, though. I'm, I, I try. No. Yeah. That's great. Um. And also, how do you personally stay mentally and inspirationally aligned as well? Mentally, like, how do you keep yourself mm-hmm. grounded? How do you keep mm-hmm. your, like, mental health in check? Like, how do you gotcha. take care of that? And then also, like, inspirationally, because you are an artist, so mm-hmm. how do you keep yourself inspired to keep making? I guess there's two ways to answer. Um, in the, and maybe they'll, they'll, they will just be one answer. The mental health in relation to being creative. Um, because I feel like I was going through a period uh, very recently where for the last few, and I was kind of posting about it on Instagram, um, the last few months I was, uh, I feel like I was having like a crazy writer's block. And 
um, with like screenwriting. Everything else was fine, but screenwriting, crazy writer's block. I'm always like working on stuff and I try to be healthy about it. I, I was getting to a point, like I took a, I wrote like a, a feature script, like in March, wrote a second draft in April or May. And then from like June till like August, I kind of like took a break because I was just like mentally drained. The world was going nuts. And so I was like, I don't know what to do right now. So I didn't work on it. Then September, I was like, okay, time to get back to it. And I was still stuck. October, stuck. November, stuck. And, but like, it was getting to a point where I was like having headaches and like just, you know, my head was like blowing up. And like, I would have days where I, I remember like last week or the week before, I, there was like one day where I was just like, I can't even like think. I, I was just like, I need to be outside. I need to just breathe because I was going nuts. And um, still getting back to it, still in the same position. And I was just hating what I was doing. And I was stuck on like the same like 10 pages. And then three days ago, uh, I read my journal because I, whenever I'm like working on a film or something like a, you know, script, I will journal and just try to, just keep track of what I'm doing. Just like, what am I feeling? You know, the days and everything. What work have I gotten done? And uh, and I was reading it, and I was like, it was just like all the entries that I wrote during the first when I wrote those first two drafts, and it was all I was saying was, I'm having so much fun. I'm not thinking. Uh, this is, you know, and, and, and I was seeing how like, whoa, I wrote these drafts so fast. Like, I think both were written in like two weeks or like 19 days, 17 days maximum for like the second draft. And I was just like, wow, that was fast. Why have I been, you know, going nuts on this third draft? And like, you know, it's been months that I haven't been able to do it. When I wrote the second draft, I wrote, I don't want this to feel like work. I just want to enjoy this. And so I was like, that's been my issue. I haven't been having fun. I've been so busy trying to fix the the holes that, that are in the story as opposed to just like, and, you know, finding the perfect solutions to those problems as opposed to just doing what I did with those other drafts, which was just have fun. Don't worry about it being great. At the end of the day, it's just words on paper. So I was like, and also I was like, if this doesn't come out perfect, it doesn't matter. The world will be fine without my script. You know, what we, we need right now is a vaccine or whatever. Like, my script will be fine. Um, the world will, will, will be still on track without it. So I just came back to that conclusion of, like, you have to love your ideas. You have to love your thoughts because in the end, it's like when you're so critical of your own ideas, it's like how they say, you know, you have to be careful of the words that you throw at yourself. Like even if you're, you're jokingly, you know, there's people who jokingly insult themselves yeah. and then there's, but like on a regular basis where you're like, is this what you really feel? You know, and 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 it become and you start to actually feel those things, um, as opposed to like, if you instead of saying that, give yourself a compliment. You know, say something genuine about yourself. So I just got to the point where I was like, 
love your ideas because and, and it's not just in a creative sense because that goes i mean if you can start in the creative area it can go beyond it can go to like love the ideas that you have about yourself love the ideas that you have for the world like just appreciate where you're at because it's all a process of growing and i feel like i for me that's why stand-up comedy is so important because that is where i learned about workshopping which i then applied to life where i was like and it's something i always have to remind myself because it's like how i said with the script i had to remind myself when I started doing stand-up, my problem was I thought jokes had to be funny when you first write them, as opposed to it's going to be terrible when you first write it. Nobody's going to laugh. <laughs> Maybe sometimes, but for the most part, it's not going to be great. You might have one part that's funny. And then you have to go perform it in front of people, and you have to understand what's wrong with it. And then you go back. You tweak it. Then you go to another place. You perform it again. You, it, it evolves and it evolves and you just keep doing that process of performing rewriting perform rewrite perform rewrite and it's interesting because with stand-up it's like that's the one art form where you have to present your ideas in public to know if it's good or bad you know and then tiktok i think is the next was the the, the next form of understanding that because what i loved about tiktok was just you know don't worry about like is this gonna go viral is this gonna, is this funny or not it's like just Make something in five seconds, put it out. And and boom, that's how I got better and better and better. And so so it's just that's just the constant reminder of like just in life. It's like don't worry about it being perfect. Forget the idea of perfection. Just understand that it's a process. Even in regards to what's going on in the world, it's all a process. When you think of the black community in America, it's like, okay, you had slavery, then you had to abolish it, then you had to get to the civil rights movement, then you had to get, I always say like, I think, you know, our generation, um, not even just black, like our generation is, I would say like the first generation that really, and maybe because we had the internet, we're like one of the first generations that really grew up knowing something different where it was kind of normal and I, more so for the next generation where like they're you know it's more normal for them to be listening to every kind of music it's more normal for them to you know you got kids who are watching movies for and tv shows from all over the place and so they're open to other cultures from a young age i can say especially for myself as a black person i'm like i was at a level where i didn't necessarily have to struggle and fight to be able to have a good education or like you know just certain there's certain things that's just like um in the basic areas of life and that's like the first generation <laughs> you know because yeah. my parents that's the six you know 60s um well their parents more so were in were in teens and stuff in the 60s then they were you know in college in the 80s and those are two crazy periods of like you know change so yeah, it's it's uh, everything's a process. So just reminding myself of that is, I guess, how I stay grounded and inspired. Yeah, that was beautiful. Thank you for doing that. There was like so many like nuggets of wisdom there. Like, that was amazing. Wow, I'm speechless. <laughs>
It's the circle, thanks. <laughs> the circle works. <laughs> There's a method to this madness. You know? <laughs> exactly. I try. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I like how you spoke about like the importance of self-compassion too. Mm-hmm. I think that's super important. And that's something that I'm trying to learn more about for myself because I'm somebody that's like super critical of myself like all the time. I'm getting a lot better at it now, but like, especially when it comes to my art practice, I get very critical about that too. And it's mm-hmm. like trying to control every single thing, but like what happens when you just let go of that control and just make just for the fun of making and like see where that leads you. And I like how you said, like, it's important to trust that process and be patient with it too. So yeah, yeah, you got you got to be good to yourself or else it's uh you are you are your your uh your your uh you are your own safe space so don't just don't ruin that definitely yeah yeah and so thank you so much for this conversation like i feel like it was so fun to have but also we hit on some like really important points too um, so I appreciate like your time, your insight, um, all of that. And lastly, where can people find you? Like, if they want to look you up on social media, if you have any projects or anything you want to plug in. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Follow me on TikTok, of course, <laughs> at Director Daddy. <laughs> and uh, Instagram is the same. And Twitter is, I don't yeah, Twitter is the same with an extra Y. Yeah, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and, you know, links to my music and films and everything are all on those platforms. So, yeah, Yeah. and Caucasian Tears (laughs) is the podcast. Definitely got to listen to that, and I will put all of those links in the episode notes for you all as well. So go check him out and show him some love. But, yeah, thank you so much again for being here, Daddy. I, like, appreciate all of your time and and your efforts and your energy and everything so yeah thank you for being here yeah thank you i appreciate you and i appreciate this platform that you're creating thanks (laughs) as always i thank you for listening and staying tuned if you like this episode feel free to share it with the people in your life I would also really appreciate if you would subscribe to Synergy Cast on whatever podcast platform you prefer, give it a five-star rating, and leave a good review mentioning what you like about the podcast. You can also follow the Instagram for updates, at SynergyCast, and I have also included that in the episode notes. I have now a new feature, which is a voice memo feature, which I am very excited about. So if you would like to send in your thoughts and your feelings or your personal experiences, feel free to record a voice memo and send it my way. I would love to include your voice in the next podcast episodes. Lastly, if you are willing and able, there is another new feature where you can donate however much money you want to help support Synergy Cast financially. If you do choose to donate, The money would help me pay for several things. It would help me pay for myself, my own energies, my own efforts. 
and also the money would help pay my future guests especially people of color for their time since i believe it is very important to compensate people of color especially for their time and energy since many bipoc which stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color, have a history of being taken advantage of and underpaid or not paid at all for their efforts. So any and all ways you choose to support would be very much appreciated. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more episodes coming your way soon. Stay safe, everyone, and take care.